It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at threepointpod. The fellows will get in rolling right after this from our partners. Memorial Healthcare's Monday Walk-In Sports Injury Clinic has returned with the start of fall sports season, 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. every Monday through October 17th. Athletes will be seen on a walk-in basis every Monday from 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. at Memorial Healthcare Center for Orthopedics, located in the now building's second floor, Suite 200, on North Shiawassee Street in Owasso. X-rays can be done for immediate review and upon insurance authorization. Patients can be scheduled for an MRI, CT scan, or any other further imaging needs. For more info, call Memorial Healthcare Center for Orthopedics at 989-541-BONE. That's 989-541-2663 or online at memorialhealthcare.org. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Well, welcome to episode 234 of the three-point podcast. We are partnered with Sky Mint Cannabis, Michigan's leader in the industry. Many locations through the state of Michigan. Don't forget their coupon code at the Corona store. Three, P-O-I-N-T-2-0. That's 3.20. off Sky Mint uh, products only and only new customers as well. Make sure you get in there, support this podcast as they're one of our key advertisers. Also, speaking of key advertisers, we're brought to you by Memorial Healthcare, home of the Walk-In Sports Injury Clinic, now open every Monday through October 17th at the beautiful new Now Community Wellness Center. Our other local partners include AZ Printing Solutions, Capital Sports Fieldhouse, and Hit and Pitch, Pro Real Estate and Auction, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Rivals Tap House and Grill, and the Success Group or Success Group Mortgage and Servicing. Well, we should have a fun show for you this evening. We have our prep spotlight with new Lothrop head football coach, Clint Galvis, and a special edition of Tedertainment tonight with actor-director Curran Jacobs. But as we always do, we get into a little bit of catch-up. We're going to mix our catch-up with some of the football this last weekend. We're recording this on Sunday night. And uh, some great football, unless you're a Michigan State fan. Let's start right, right there. Yeah, I think we got to start with there, man. What was that? Uh, I mean, I tweeted it out. Mark D'Antonio, defensive legend, Pat Narduzzi. <laughs> Dear God. We're there a long way from home on that Michigan State defense, man. Yeah. They are horrendous. I mean, I, I, it just how else can you look at that game other than that's a serious, serious, serious problem. We saw it last year. We all kind of everyone who watched every single Michigan State game sort of saw how the stars sort of aligned perfectly for them uh, all of last year, despite having that terrible defense. You know, Kenny Pickett doesn't play in the bowl game. 
they get a couple lucky breaks here. The Ohio State game, they finally are the team that sort of really exposed what it was. But, man, if you're Michigan State and this whole Mel Tucker uh, regime, I actually had a state fan text me this. This is – you can't make up this quote. He reminds me of Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke's tenure, if you remember. For we uh, first season, sort of the same sort of way where the the line the it just aligned perfectly, uh, even though the team wasn't really as good as it seemed. Stars aligned perfectly, and then you know they kind of get brought back to reality the next year, and then it just kind of is going to slowly keep progressing down. If I'm a state fan, what really worries me is everything that Mel Tucker is about. As soon as you start losing, he's going to become like the Brian Kelly of of social media, man. It, it's awesome, you know. Lambos are awesome when you're winning. But it's only a matter of time before the memes start rolling out where there's a big old L written on the front hood of a Lamborghini of these pictures, man. I, it just right. what an uninspired effort. Peyton Thorne seemed to be the only one that cared on that team, man. He's the only yeah. one. Looked like he was playing with some heart. The rest of the team looked like they were just, you know, out of it from the very start. Very depressing if you're a state fan. I mean, I think first and foremost, we're seeing life without Kenneth Walker. And, you know, I mean, I think any team outside of Georgia, Alabama, you know, maybe maybe Ohio State, when you lose a player like Kenneth Walker, you're going to have a little bit of a drop off. But I think we're seeing kind of like what you said, Jared, everything aligned perfectly. You know, Kenneth Walker having five touchdowns against Michigan last year when they beat Michigan, you know, all that kind of stuff. Everything aligned perfectly for them to have a good season last year. They were still ranked literally last in the country in pass defense. And. How did they you win know, that many games some, with that? It's nice. Right. There, there was some youth, you know, um, some inexperience, some injuries and stuff. So the, the idea was this year, you know, there was going to be some improvement, especially the whole thing. And I mean, I'm not taking a shot at Mel Tucker. That's supposed to be his bread and butter, coaching coaching defensive backs. That's what he did at Alabama. That's what he did in the NFL. And that, that's what he's doing at Michigan State. He's head coach, obviously, and defensive backs coach. I don't really see much of an improvement. I mean, maybe a little bit, but, you know, you know, Penix, you know, Washington's quarterback, he, he's good. We obviously saw him a lot of Indiana. He's a good player. I don't think he's as good as what he looked like against Michigan state, but you know, I, I'm texting some friends, you know, stuff kind of like what you're saying, Jared, you know, it, it's hard not to rip on Michigan state whenever they lose like that. It's kind of fun to see at the same time though. And this is what I said to some friends. I'm not saying anything until Michigan beats them because Mm -hmm. the minute I start talking trash and saying Michigan state sucks, doing the whole Brady Hoke thing, Mel Tucker's a hundred million dollar Brady Hoke. They're going to walk into the big house and beat Michigan again. And you can't, you can't can't lie to yourself though. There's gotta be something about the idea of McCarthy rolling in there, October 29th, that you are, you, you're telling me that didn't cross your mind once watching Penix rip this secondary apart. Like, man, what the hell is JJ going to do to these guys? Of course. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> not going to say anything. I'm not going to say right. anything about you're it. You're thinking that until... you're, bad. you're texting your Michigan buddies about it, but uh, yeah, right. not saying it publicly. I, it, it, it's, it was just a, a bizarre game, man. It seemed like they just had no energy right from the start. Uh, I mean, yeah, like I said, Penix is solid. Um, but he was looked like the player of the of the week and on college football final. Ted, you know, you mentioned that at the end of the pod. Kind of recording a little bit out of order. Might have cut that, but um, <laughs> he literally looked like the player of the of the week uh, in college football this week against that secondary. And it just I don't know how it gets better if you're if you're Michigan State. This defense has a lot of holes, uh, and they couldn't get the run game going. It looked like the whole weight of the world was on Peyton Thorne's shoulders to try to like basically one man will this team to a victory. 
it, it's it's depressing. But what sucks the most about it, and this is where you know I go back and forth between rooting against Michigan State and rooting for them. I mean, who didn't love the atmosphere heading into the Michigan Michigan State game last year? Both teams unbeaten, both teams ranked in the top ten. Uh, you know, it's probably unlikely that we were going to get there this year. Uh, but it definitely just takes a little bit of luster out of that game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I certainly won't pile on like you two. You know, we know that I'm more middle of the road when it comes to the Spartans. I will agree with both what you're saying, though. It wasn't a very good performance. I will say that uh, Penix, he's a pretty good quarterback. But, you know, in fairness to the Spartans, and, and I know all teams go through this, when you go out and take a road trip to the West Coast, it it's not very easy to do. But they they played terrible. And I think that the, the proof's in the pudding, as an old man would say. We'll see what they can do to bounce back. I mean, come on, it's only – it's two weeks in, right? Or three right. weeks but in, whatever the, it is. Michigan obliterated this team less than a season ago, man. It was – At like, home. Like, so is that is that scary? Like, if you're a – like, what, what has happened to our program in a calendar year? And what has happened I to mean, Washington's program in a calendar year, man? It's, it's it, two different teams. It, did you just, did you not give Washington any credit at all? They came out on fire. The crowd was on fire. I mean, the crowd give was them on some fire. Credit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you put that much credence into into just the fact that Michigan was at home and State had to travel on the road? I mean, it's not like they were going to the Death Valley. Um, I don't. Put, me, I just don't give it that much credence. Being one game, okay, they got blown out. Those we'll, we'll see if they make some adjustments this week. Get ready for Big Ten play. <laughs> I mean, the guy that gave you the comparison about Hulk. He had to be a Michigan fan, wasn't it? It wasn't a Michigan no, State, state fan. fan. And you know what else? It was he a said? state he said, fan. Quote unquote. It's quote unquote. Okay. Well, dude, here, here's Surprising. the thing that I, lo- I love is as soon as state starts losing, I start just firing off texts to all the state buddies I know, man. <laughs> I think yeah, they, they you won't hear like, much from them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. I just love it, man. I'm sitting there snickering to myself watching this game, you know, uh, and it's just, I just can't control myself. I got to reach out to all the state fans I know, get their thoughts on it. <laughs> And he said, quote, unquote, Mel Tucker can take his transfer portal bullshit and uh, <laughs> shove it up his, you know what. <laughs> this guy reminds right. me of Brady Hope. I, and, then, and then I woke up to a text. This is when you know state fans are down bad. Don't take it from me, man. This is right from a state fan's mouth. I, I woke okay. up this morning to a text that, that he sent at 3.30 a.m. I just drank a 30 rack, and I just burned a Michigan State at. That's where I'm at right now. So, <laughs> I mean, that's the state of state fans. I think that they really were kind of – fed up with yeah. what the hell that performance was it, it just was yeah. over from the very start of the game wasn't it they was. didn't even give us a game you know a lot of state fans built their whole night around uh you know primetime game everybody's eyes sure. are on us let's let's make a statement here and they just shit down their leg there's no other way to put it it, it was embarrassing that was like a michigan loss is what it reminded me of a michigan era loss you know maybe we don't see so many of those nowadays but dear god what was that it was ugly, and honestly, I, I think the Brady Hope comparison right now is fair because overall, Mel Tucker is basically a 500 coach. You know, he hasn't had a ton of success as a head coach, and then he comes in, gets paid 100 million dollars, and has the one his first season that's really good. So, you know, I know Michigan State fans are excited for him, and they should be. He's recruiting well, and you know, he's two and zero against Michigan, and you know, right, whatever that means, but. Uh, I'll be curious to see. They play Minnesota this weekend. Minnesota actually looks pretty solid. You know, PJ Flex, a a good coach or whatever. So if they they better shake off that Washington uh, loss because Minnesota, I mean, mean, they're playing the Big Ten West right now. Who knows who's going to win the Big Ten West? And Minnesota might be that team. So they're not going to, they're not going to come in and and let up against Michigan State. So Michigan State better, whatever happened in Washington, 
they better figure out what the hell happened because you can't just rely on Peyton Thorne running around and chucking the ball all over the place and thinking that's going to win you some games. You, you know what the worst part about this whole weekend was? And it happened this morning. And, Ted, I think that we need to get you on the AP poll like voting list somehow. I don't, I don't know if I'm I got to get like signatures or something, but uh, we got to get you on there because how does this make sense? Michigan State, 21, 2-1 record. Just got their doors blown off by Washington. Washington. Ranked 24, 3-0 record, just yeah. blew the doors off of Michigan State. How does this get, like, decided? I just – I feel like people don't watch these games, man. Right. I, I, or they just don't even know what's going on. How in any world does somebody put Washington behind Michigan State after what they just saw on Saturday? It, it, it's mind-blowing. And it's it's why we're glad that we're finally getting to see 12 teams because – yeah. They still don't know what the hell they're doing. The playoff committee definitely doesn't know what they're doing. So it's good to yeah. see that at least if you're somewhat near the top, you're going to have a chance at a title, man, because that's just yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And that's why polls don't really mean much unless, you know, you get to the end of the season and it's for playoff seeding or whatever at that point. Right. I agree with you. On a more positive note, Michigan Wolverines, they, yeah. they took care of business. They had three three pansy teams on the schedule, but they beat pansy. the hell out of them. Right. Can, can we talk That's the about? Thing. I mean, I I tweeted it out after the game. Like they they did what they were supposed to do. Like I think we we were texting. You know, a lot of times we do an instant reaction video after Michigan games, and it was kind of like I don't think we really need to do one after this right. game. It was like, oh, cool, another Michigan blowout. Yay, JJ McCarthy looked good. Uh, all right, I've said the same Forum. thing the last three weeks. I think Jared, you said you felt like you watched the same game three weeks in a row, and that's kind of what it was. <laughs> While it's fun to see a blowout like that. I'll be honest, by the third quarter, I was starting to be like, okay, I'm going to watch every play because it's Michigan. You know, I'm, I'm going to watch this whole game. But it was kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm ready for I'm ready for a little more competition. Like uh, seeing, you know, seeing them play eight quarterbacks, okay, that's fun. But, you know, I want to see J.J. McCarthy. I want to see him play yeah. four quarters, see him against the quality team, even if it's, you know, even if they beat a Big Ten team, say 31 to 17, you know, and, it's a little bit of, you know, they handle at least like it's a competitive Big Ten game. I would much rather watch that than 59 to zero against UConn. That got to be a little bit like, do you, all right. Do you guys see a lot of people were, uh, national media were kind of shitting on Michigan, you know, for not scheduling teams, uh, tough teams in these matchups. And I'll be the first to say it. I, I love that we don't. It's about time we didn't. Uh, you know, I, I'm so, I was so sick of, you know, this bond, you know, always like lining up against Notre Dame week one or two. And, you know, it seemed like majority of the time, you know, 60% of the time we would lose that game. And just like what Michigan State's feeling right now, it's like your season is essentially over if you lose that game. We're not Bama. We're not Georgia. You know, we can compete with those teams on, on uh, any given, you know, Saturday. But if any time we line up against a Notre Dame or if let's say we would have played Oregon like Georgia did, probably 50-50 shot we'd win that game. Uh, so in my opinion, you know, until it gets expanded to 12 teams, I'm fine with this scheduling. I love yeah. it, actually. Yeah, it makes for a little boring Saturdays, but you know what's what's even worse than a boring Saturday like that? It's when you lose, and you might as well not even watch this team the rest of the season. So I I love it. Um, like I said, it's kind of hard to really read into what this team is. After those games, they look like a, a death machine, uh, as somebody tweeted out comparing them to Georgia. Uh, they look damn good. Um, but it's still very hard to get a gauge on where they're really at. But uh, J.J. McCarthy, man, let's see what he's really got live bullets against a Big Ten team. Uh, coming up this week. I'm excited to see it. Completely fried from the whole quarterback battle, but he gets in the game and immediately gets creamed, and then he throws a decent pass and just gets destroyed by two defensive linemen. I mean, 
what is it? They don't block for him or what? But I mean, he's now he's now out for a significant amount of yeah. time. Yeah, he's it's out weird. for a few weeks. I mean, with an injury, and I, honestly, like, I don't I don't know if there's if this is what happens. This is my my theory, I guess, to answer your question. Yeah. I think defenses when they see him come in, they know that he's much. And I'm not trying to criticize him. They know that he's much more of a statue back there in the pocket than McCarthy. And I think they send the house. You yeah. know, with McCarthy, you can't really do that because he might scramble and run for 25, 30 yards. McNamara is not going to move. And, I mean, like you said, he fired a good pass in the second play. He only played two plays right. over to Ronnie Bell. And the two dudes came in and just destroyed him. And it's like, man, that, you know, you're, you're showing your toughness by staying in the pocket and making that throw. But, man, move. Like, what is <laughs> What are you doing, man? Get out of the pocket. Right. So, and it's actually, I, I think it's a little bit of a potentially a bigger story for Michigan that he's going to be out for a few weeks. Hopefully it's nothing serious and he's able to come back. But as as I mentioned before, I think we talked about it and we've talked about it a lot with the Lions. There's something good about having a quality backup, especially with the way that McCarthy plays, running and stuff. Yeah, you never know it, if he's going to get dinged up. You know, say we go to Ohio State. And at the horseshoe and he gets a little dinged up and you, we have to bring in Davis Warren who, yeah. And these, this mop of duty, you know, you can see the kid has talent, but he's coming off of no, leukemia or whatever he had. And right. know, he had like competitive football in like three years. So it's kind of like, I hope McNamara is good. I hope he's healthy because we might need him, you know, against Michigan state say something what? happens with McCarthy and McNamara has to come in for a series or two. So wouldn't that be like serious, the, the most ironic, like ending to all of this, if let's say like within these next like three, four weeks, however long Magnamar is out, like JJ McCarthy gets dinged up in the second quarter of a game and this third stringer comes in and we just are slowly watching the death of our season uh, because <laughs> right. we don't have Magnamar waiting. And like, what, like, I just, I can't explain it. Like you would almost have to like laugh, like you either laugh or you cry in that situation. Right. It would be, disaster uh i'm knocking on wood right now the fact that you even mentioned that is seems like we have a little bit of bad juju now and <laughs> you're lying if you're not thinking about it in the back of your head watching jd mccarthy when he takes off on a third and ten uh and has to lower his shoulder to try to get a first down because if he goes down man it's it's not looking good that's for damn no. sure it's not looking good especially especially because this year their schedule lays out really well we've probably oh, yeah. talked about it but they've got to take advantage of this season i mean they've got eight home games and four away games and one of those away games is Iowa, which is always tough, but they don't look very good this year at all. You know, it looks like maybe they're a little down. So they've got Michigan State, Penn State, and then Ohio State. And it's so it's like, man, you got to take advantage of this season. And, you know, you just hope that no one else gets hurt and McCarthy's fine all year. But, you know, you, you just think about that. I want to, to answer your question about the schedules. I have no problem with it. I think in today's college football, you don't need to play all these quality teams in your non-conference. Yeah. It's cool for early season to have Texas and Alabama or, you know, yeah, Georgia and Oregon play, but it, it's not necessary. Why? No. All you got to do is win your conference. Like who cares? Like even Michigan state losing this game against Washington. And some people have said like season's done. It's like, no, it's not. All they got to do is win the big 10. I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think many people are expecting them to win the Big Ten, but you know, right. all you gotta do is win the Big Ten and they'd be fine. People would for forget about this Washington game. They don't even care about it. So it's like, why the, the only thing is to test yourself. Cause like yeah. you said, what what do we really know about Michigan after we've seen 27 quarterbacks play and 30 running backs but get carries? I mean, we don't really know much about Michigan. So 
don't you love that? Like, I feel like the team is just confident rolling into, you know, a big, like, I love that. Like last year, we definitely felt that the team was such yeah. a question mark. They come out a couple cup, a few cupcakes first few weeks with we Washington, which I would consider a cupcake. Um, but state maybe would disagree, but you know, we had some cupcakes and we were just rolling into big 10 play. I really think it carried throughout the rest of the season. And I feel like we're kind of yeah. feeling that right now. It's like, let's like, they're, they are chomping at the bit to play some real competition. Uh, and I just feel like it really, it bodes well for a college team. This isn't like the NFL or something where you got to be battle tested. It's like you get that through big 10 play. Like you said, like, let's just have some positive momentum going into big 10 play and keep it rolling. Right. Well, we knew, we knew offensively they were going to be a juggernaut. I mean, you know, quorum five touchdown runs, McCarthy looked, comfortable you know the wide receiver room i mean I, hey i did watch number one a little bit in the game still isn't catching the ball or throwing to him but He's hey they blocker. don't need to they don't need to but they yeah, had some good blocks yeah. the, the big storyline to me is how well this defense has performed early on yeah maybe against some cupcakes but i mean they you can see they have some speed to burn and uh they know how to tackle and cover so they're, they're gonna be fun to watch i think the rest of the way well i i tell you what guys I, what a great win for the Lions, I mean, we talked about it, you know, all last week after that disappointing loss. This was a must win. Uh, they came out and played. And and the two biggest takeaways for me, man, people will circle the Hutchison three sacks. If you watch those sacks, I wouldn't say that they were, like, Hutchison dominating. One of them was a great scheme. I love this new, like, stunt that they've been instituting this year with under Aaron Glenn. The two, like, defensive ends basically stacked on each other. And then Hutchison just a, a free ball of fire, free release at the the center, essentially. I'm loving that. So that was a great scheme uh, sack. Uh, and then I just felt like a, the other two were basically coverage sacks. Um, but yeah. still, good to see him get three sacks under his belt. But the two biggest players to me, man, DeAndre Swift. That catch mm. and run for the score that he had where he fell down. I mean, you're lying if that if that didn't kind of take your breath away for a second. Because at first you're like, wait, what the hell? He loses his footing, gets up, it almost like kind of propels him uh, in, in shocks the defense. He makes a couple guys miss. I mean, he looked damn good today. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, I, I can't quite put my finger on what makes him good. He's just gets open, and when he's open, he catches the ball. Uh, you know, he's a little bit undersized. He must be just a damn good route runner, but wow. Yeah. You look at the different records he's breaking every single week. What is it? You know, eight straight games with eight-plus catches. Yeah. Uh, you know, six straight games with a touchdown catch. I mean, he's he's up there with some of the best wide receivers in the league. I don't know I don't know how you can take it away from him at this point. What a steal we've gotten out of, yep. out of Amon Ra St. Brown. I mean, yep. what an incredible Lions wide receiver. And to think that I, I keep hanging on to this because I'm so excited. They've got Jamison Williams, who they yeah. drafted in the first round this year, at some point is going to be coming back. So there's a ton of potential. And I know I, I, I don't hate on him. I definitely criticize. Um, I'm, I'm consistent what I say about Jared Goff. I think he's okay. He's serviceable. But he had one of those games today that made him made you say, oh, okay, this is why he was a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl for the Rams. He is a good right. player, you know, four touchdowns and, you know, no interceptions. And he made some really good throws, some really good plays. So, you know, you're not going to expect that every week. But if he can play similar to that, this team really, honestly, it has some potential. I mean, you know, we're, we're all Lions fans. So obviously we're excited about a win. Yep. Look at Ted's hat. We're, we're all excited. Anytime the Lions win, we're excited. But yeah, the team has some legitimate close. potential. I mean, with guys like Swift, with St. Brown, you know, Hawkinson obviously is solid. He had a couple of drops today, but like he's, you know, he's a good tight end. So the potential is there. <laughs> the potential yeah. is there. 
You know, and, and we got to send a shout out to Dan Skipper. I didn't realize he was the guy on Hard Knocks that you know was was basically almost crying when he got cut, and yeah. you know asked what he could do to improve, and they put him on the practice squad, and there he is today, really doing the job. You know, and then I forget what Jonah Jackson. I guess he he was out Fingers. with a with a bad finger. I mean, right. what's the story on that? I mean, I tweeted <laughs> something. I mean, what? Yeah, he's an offensive that. lineman. I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, I, I don't, don't know, know the backstory. Deal. There's got to be more to it than just a finger. Gotta be. But. <laughs> you would think. You would definitely yeah. think. I, I, I don't know the whole the Hutch, You didn't. I don't know about you guys. I'm still kind of confused. What was wrong with Hutchison throughout the game? Yeah. It's like he's in there. He's not in there. He's, he's taking snaps, but then he could barely run off the field without looking like his legs about to fall off. Like, that right. was also another kind of confusing part of today's game. Um, I still worry about the defense. Still seems like the yeah. defense is a yeah. bit of a problem. I mean, Washington was just stuck in mud in that first half. I mean, talk about uninspired. They look like Michigan State versus Washington out there. Yeah. Uh, just an uninspired effort. But then they kind of came, came to life in the second half and made things very interesting. Uh, a couple questionable moves by uh, their head coach. The two-point conversion basically yeah, out of going on. <laughs> and then the, then the PAT that just, of course, just because of Shit. course, that's what happens. Uh, he misses the PAT after that and basically ends the game. Uh, just a couple questionable calls from them. Uh, Wentz, you know, Jekyll and Hyde, first half and second half. I still yeah. do think that the defense is going to be the, this team's downfall. It just seems like the secondary is a, is a, is a, is a big pr- problem, in my opinion. Just yeah. okay. Yeah, I mean, if, if the offense is going to score 36, 38 points a game, Maybe the defense doesn't have to be that great, right. you know. Yeah. But do you guys? I know you you both follow uh, social social media, especially Twitter on game days, whether it's college or NFL. Does it just crack you up with some of the comments that people have? Like I was reading comments about, oh, Hawkinson, man, how can he get the money he's getting? And some of these other comments from people. I mean, it's just it's part of the enjoyment, really, of watching this on Twitter, seeing these knuckleheads <laughs> make these comments. You agree are with you, me on are that? You, is this like a, is this a little bit of a shot at me? Because No, not those, at all. Did you have that? Those... Did you mention that? Yeah, no, no. Some of those tweets probably are from me because I'll <laughs> so something stupid happens. Sometimes I let. My oh, you just like to stir it up. That's why, right? I like to stir it up. Yeah, there you I, go. You know, sometimes you let your emotion get into those 240 characters on Twitter, but right. it is kind of funny seeing some people just melt down one one incomplete pass, and it's like the whole world is going to collapse or something like that. But yeah, hey, we we said it. You kind of said it at the top, Jared. They had to win this game. You know, if they would have started off 0 and 2. It would have been, especially if it was an ugly game, it would have yeah. been starting to feel like, here we go, another one of these seasons. But now they, they get this win. They've got, what, Minnesota next week, which, you know, is a winnable Big game. Time winnable. Division, yeah. so, a division game. So if they can somehow win that, sit at 2-1 and one with a division win, um, I'm pretty confident. But That'd be huge. Why, did, why didn't Cousins get COVID next week? Yeah, right. <laughs> Am I – in my career, I mean, Ted, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this since you've, you know, been the Lions fan 50 years. I mean, where does Amon Ross St. Brown, if he continues doing what he's doing, man, where's he on your list of, of Lions, you know, greats, at least through his first you know, year and a half or so? Oh, he could be, he could be top three, you know, this, this soon. I mean, you think of uh, obviously uh, Calvin Johnson and Herman Moore too, that just jump out to me. You know, they've had some pretty good receivers in the past, but I love this kid. I mean, the, yeah. the whole backstory, you know, with the weightlifting right. Mr. Mr. Universe dad. And right. we, I mean, Hey, we jumped on the bandwagon right away last year. Let's not kid ourselves. We saw the yep. potential in this guy and he just stepped up and kept it rolling. I mean, I saw something today posted by a golden Tate speaking to social media 
He sent him a big shout out saying, man, you're going to be a superstar if you're not already. I love That's it, pretty man. high praise coming from somebody that knows what the hell's Gold going Tate on. Was awesome, man. He was, he was one similar. of my favorites when he was, when he, when he was in his prime with the lions. Uh, yeah. Very yeah. similar sort of styles where it just, you can't really put your finger on what makes them good, but just somehow they're always open. It doesn't yeah. really, uh, doesn't Golden make sense. Uh, yeah. And then Matt, you see, you tweeted at me, let's just hope Swift stays healthy. He, yeah. he he can go, man. I mean, two weeks he's in, he's looking like one of the best backs in the league. <laughs> I didn't see it coming. I really didn't. I was always kind of one of those guys. I never really saw what all the hubbub was about with this guy. But he's proven me wrong through the first two weeks. He's a blast to watch. Him and Amon Ross St. Brown, then once we get Williams a part of this offense, I, I can't yeah. wait to see it. It, it, it really yeah. is a couple of superstars, it seems like. Yeah. yeah. Well, think about it. I think I saw the stat, like, they've scored, what, 35 plus points in three straight games first time since 1952 i think that's even that's in their heyday man that's before yeah. 57 right. that's incredible and i have to start I changing our hashtags if they keep this up <laughs> no kidding and you, well and go, i love the three running back assist. i mean i, I do yeah. still i still sometimes question the nfl with how they handle these rotations it seems like as soon as you get the ball you're out for the next five plays uh, yeah. It's almost like they can't, you know, they can't run the ball twice in a row. It's like they're gassed or something. Uh, but I do love the three running backs uh, that they do have. Each of them kind of bring a little bit something different to the to the table. Um, so I, I just love watching them, and especially when you know that Deuce Staley uh, is kind of the leader of that crew. I mean, mm-hmm. I, that's probably my favorite position group on this entire team is just is those three guys and then Deuce Staley leading the charge. Well, they're fun to watch. Let's hope they keep it rolling at Minnesota. Um it, it could be an interesting year for the Honolulu blue and silver, but uh, we'll be watching every game. Like we always do. Yeah. We're going to be talking next, uh, some more football, high school football. We're going to have our prep spotlight presented by capital sports Fieldhouse and Clint Galvis, the head coach of the new Lothar Pornets coming up next. Looking to buy items online, go to CRAuctions.com. All you need to do is download the app to your phone or computer and start buying and selling today. CRAuctions.com will market your items all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy something, we can help with that too. Just go to CRAuctions.com. Search our inventory and place your bid. Plus, there are online auctions for farm machinery, firearms, automobiles, and truckloads of overstocked items. It's fast, it's easy, and you will get results. Get the app and check out CRAuctions.com today. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. Well, it's now time for our prep spotlight presented by Capital Sports Fieldhouse, home of Hit and Pitch. We're going to be chatting here with Clint Galvis, the head football coach at New Lothrop, 4-0 on the season. No surprise there, 2-0 in the MMAC. 
Clint uh, definitely putting together a Hall of Fame career already, 138 and 19. And it looks like you have another good squad this year, Clint. Give us a little uh, little breakdown of the pros and cons, if there are any cons at this point. You started off the year with a great win at, against Jackson Lumen Christie. You beat a pretty good Chessonine team on their field, and uh, you're rolling, like I said, 4-0. Yeah, um, you know, I guess kind of coming into the season, we knew uh, we knew we were going to be a pretty solid team. Obviously, yeah, last year we only had five seniors, um, so we knew we were going to be obviously returning a lot of guys um, this year and uh, uh, just a lot of experience. I think you know last year a lot of these guys maybe um, maybe wouldn't have got some of the the maybe all that playing time they would you know that they might have had on if it were, if it were part of some other teams. Um, but with only having five seniors, they're kind of forced into. Um, you know, some key roles and, and playing a lot last year. And obviously I think this year kind of paying dividends for us. And um, I think uh, returning four or five offensive linemen this year is, is, is a big deal. And, um, you know, kind of the same on the defensive uh, defensive line side, um, you know, bringing three or four back. And so, um, you know, and obviously, as you guys know, being big football guys, it all kind of starts up front. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of our strong point is, is our offensive defensive line. So I think any time you got, a strong offensive defensive line, you're going to, you know, going to have some success. Uh, you know, it's kind of what we've been able to hang our head on. Here. And, and obviously also anytime you got a, a quarterback that's returning, um, you know, that, that's a big deal. And with Jack Ohanek this year back as a junior, he got all those reps last year as a sophomore and did pretty darn good job as a sophomore too. But right. just having a whole year with our system and uh, our terminology and, and the reads, you know, and, you know, I think probably I could, I think probably I would say 80% of what we do is some kind of read. And um, he's just getting kind of better and better at those, uh, making all those. Um, you know, again, that's kind of, uh, you know, uh, led to a lot of our success. And then, like you said, the big week one win against Lumen Christie, um, you know, it was a, it was a real battle back and forth and um, just a real fun to, game to be a part of. But to come out on top of that, I think really gave our guys a lot of confidence kind of moving forward. So that's, uh, you know, kind of where we're at right now. Can you talk about, I mean, you, you kind of talked about, you were alluding to it a little bit, the value of all these young guys getting all those reps last year. But I guess maybe it, maybe expound on that a little bit, that like how valuable that actually is. You know, last year, at least to your guys' standards, yeah. maybe a little bit of a down season for you guys. But, are, you know, when you're going through that season, knowing you've got sophomore at quarterback, a ton yeah. of juniors, yeah, are you, are you kind of looking ahead to the next season thinking like, okay, Maybe this isn't going to be a state championship run, but we're building something for next year and even the year yeah. after. You know, no, I wouldn't say like last year I was looking, you know, like, hey, right. you're just kind of all in at that time, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, yep. I'm all in for 2021. I was all in for 2021. And, um, you know, and I we did a lot of good things. I mean, you look at our um, who we played, right? But to go back to your point, yeah, I mean, a lot of these young guys were getting – a lot of reps against, you know, Luma Christie's against, uh, you know, Frankenmuth, who we were in a game, you know, right there, you know, basically in a, in a game to the end with Frankenmuth. And then, you know, and they're seeing those, those P dubs and things like that. So um, it's all just paying off now, obviously dividends at the time. I wasn't looking at it like that as much, you know, you, you want to win those games. Right. Uh, um, but, uh, but now, yeah, looking back, like it's definitely, you can tell these guys have been in some battles and they've, yeah. they, those kind of athletes and and uh, those kind of programs and um you know so yeah i mean it's it's like i said it's been it's been it's been real big for us and then and, and, you know like i said with only five seniors a lot of them kids were forced in that position yeah whereas yeah. you know i can probably i can honestly say in and many of the years past prior to that 
them same kids probably wouldn't have been on the field that much. You know what I mean? And, uh, right. you know, it, it, so in that sense, it's, it's worked out for us here in 2022, um, you know, because of, because of our low numbers, uh, you know, as far as our senior class last year, but, uh, um, but yeah, you know, like I said, we're, we're definitely excited where we're at right now and the experience we had coming in, we knew it was going to be beneficial for us. And it definitely has been, uh, without question. You uh, mentioned your junior quarterback, uh, Kohanic. I mean, you guys are kind of like quarterback you at New Lothrop, I feel like. I mean, you had Avery Moore, uh, who could really sling it. You had Cam Moore a, a few years ago, was a really good, uh, yeah. you know, downhill runner. What do you think? Why is it you guys have had so many good quarterbacks start your tenure at New Lothrop? Is it, is it your system? Uh, is it you've kind of changed it to different quarterbacks? What is it? Yeah, you know, we do change it a little bit, obviously, with, with Cam and Avery. We were a little bit more maybe run heavy on uh, different things. I mean, when you got 220 pound quarterbacks, right. you know, <laughs> get downhill, that helps. Um, but you know, Jack's a great mix of both. I mean, he's got a real nice, strong arm. Um, and when he wants to, the tuck and run, he's, um, uh, he's shockingly like pretty, uh, right. a and, and, and pretty powerful runner to be honest. So, um, you know, we're able to incorporate a lot of those things we did with, with Cam and, uh, um, uh, uh Avery with, with Jack. Right. And, uh, but, uh, but no, Jack, I mean, he, I think, you know, I, this. All of them guys, I mean, you can go back before, um, you know, before them with, with Eric Birchmeyer and all these guys that, that were just stellar quarterbacks. Um, they just put in a lot of time. I and mean, it's, it's it, you know, it's not just they show up in August and all of a sudden we're, right. we're hitting on all cylinders. I mean, this is, we're talking, you know, in March, they're before school in the mornings running through stuff and, and they do a lot of film work. And, um, you know, and, and so I, I guess it's it's a high demanding position as far as the time that goes in and the film study that goes in. And, and every every quarterback we've had, uh, I've been blessed to have, has is, is been willing to put in that time. And it, that's what's kind of showed on the field, I guess. You know, you talked about the big boys up front and obviously uh, they're doing the job and that's key in, in, in winning football games, both offensively and defensively. And you talked about your quarterback, but New Lothrop always has been uh, known for their running backs too, speed, uh, tackle breaking ability. And Nolan Mulcahy is another good one. So yeah, no, Nolan Mulcahy, he's a speed guy, right? And and I'd also like to mention that, I mean, as far as um, all these guys, uh, every one of our backs, I mean, Jack, Nolan, Kevin, Unix, um, Nick Barnett, um, uh, Hayden Andrus, Dominic Cassidy. I mean, all these guys ran track this year. Um, and the reason they did is because, as, as you guys probably remember, Amari Coleman, obviously, um, he yeah. was our head track coach our head track coach this year and, and obviously a big yeah. speed guy and is real great with speed development. And uh, all these guys ran track just to kind of improve their speed. Um, and Nolan McKay, he was, you know, one of those guys. And uh, – he was always a fast guy, but just having that whole, um, you know, track season with, uh, with Amari, um, all them guys have gone to another level speed wise. And, you know, I, I, I will put our speed against anyone in division seven for sure. So, um, you know, and, in, in, in Nolan's just one of them guys, when he gets in the open field, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be tough to catch. And that's, you know, kind of been what it's been for us so far. And, you know, Nick Barnett and same thing, you know, we throw a, you know, a, a two yard dump pass out to him and he turns and takes it to, you know, to the house just because of the speed. So um, all these guys, including Jack is, is, is night and day speed wise from where I was last year. And that's a testament to Mari and all the, the work these kids have put in with him. And uh, you know, so that's, that's been a huge, huge thing for us this year is our, just our speed. Do you think that's something that sets uh, a good program apart from a great program? Like you guys, you mentioned your quarterbacks putting in work back in March, mm-hmm. you've got players running track so they can improve their speed. Yep. 
you, you know, there's a lot of programs that have good players, but you think that kind of stuff is what takes you from being a, you know, a good program to being a great program. Oh, like New York. With, without question. And, and it's like, you know, it's like every year it's more and more, right. You're just trying to keep up with everyone else. Cause everyone's, you know, everyone else is putting in work too. So it's like, well, now we got to do more, you know? And so that's kind of what it is. You know, it, we're, uh, we are just kind of, uh, every year just taking it, trying to take it to the next level. And, um, you know, you know, we run a 10 week program in the spring that we start in March and it basically takes us to uh, almost the end of the school year. And, uh, you know, of that, you know, we run it, uh, basically our, you know, night, our freshmen up to our, our incoming seniors. And, uh, you know, we had like just a great participation this year. And I would say we had over 90% of our seniors, you know, graduated from this program. And, um, you know, again, just to kind of show you the work that they were willing to put in and, um, you know, it's been huge. And, but so, yeah, I mean, all those little things, um, the off season, you know, we've incorporated, we got now got a, a new weight training class at school, almost every football player in there. So we're able to get our workouts in, you know, during school and, um, all the little things like that is just huge. Cause now instead of yeah. after school, you know, we spend, you know, whatever, 40 minutes in the weight room. Well, now we can all get right out every school. That's just extra time on the field for us, you know? And, um, you know, so it's just, it's, it's little things like that, that, um, yeah. I think it's really kind of just put us to, you know, it just, it's helped us out a lot. I'll say that. that that's crazy. You guys didn't have a weightlifting class. I mean, I, I feel like maybe back when Matt was in school, even at Corona, we had a weightlifting class, yep. you know, during the day. Yep. So and, I, and I, I mean, it, yeah. And, and I did. And these guys were our, our gym rats and, and did work out. It just cost us time, right? Like we right. would have to lift, uh, you know, either it was open before school. So I'd have guys come before school. Um, or we, you know, we'd have that 40 minute, a lot of time after school for the guys who didn't get it in to get it in, uh, to get their, you know, their in-season workout in. And now, um, you know, we're able to do that. So, um, you know, and, and again, I had that, you know, 14, whatever, how many years ago I started right. at New Ultra, uh, we had that, but and then it just, you know, it's, it's like anything, it just became a scheduling thing and it's a lot easier to kind of make it a PE class and put everything that, you know what I mean? And so yeah, it was something right. I've been fighting for since, you know, yeah. since then. And, uh, finally got that back and it's already paying dividends for us as far as just getting a lot of that work done and you know like getting right out after school and, and spending more time out on the field which is what we want to do well clint we appreciate you taking the time fighting the darkness yeah. and joining us here we, <laughs> well, yeah, we, i apologize about that i thought no, i had a better service but <laughs> but we do appreciate the time and we'll be uh, we'll be definitely looking at uh, new Lothrop to make a solid run when we get to playoff time but again congratulations on your successes it comes because of all the hard work by you your staff and the players and and we appreciate you taking time out from your schedule to join us here no absolutely guys and uh, we'll have to do this again when uh yeah let us lighter out here you go <laughs> yep <laughs> Capital Sports Fieldhouse is the home of hit and pitch and a whole lot more. The 10,000 square foot turf field can be used for all indoor sports training, including football, baseball, basketball, softball, soccer, and many other activities. Hit and pitch has seven indoor batting cages with full pitching tunnel and the state-of-the-art hit tracks training system utilized by MLB organizations. Located in the old Capitol Bowl J.C. Penny block on South Washington in Owasso, Michigan. For more details, call Capital Sports and Hit and Pitch at 989-472-4624 or online at capitalsportsfh.com. All right, great stuff there from Coach Galvis and uh, you know, before we get to Tedertainment tonight and Curran Jacobs, uh, just guys, got to talk about our Cavaliers a little bit here again. Corona 21 to nothing over Lake Fenton. It could have been worse than that. 
Wyatt Bauer, the junior quarterback, 208 yards rushing, a touchdown. Parker Isham, a couple of touchdowns in the fourth quarter. But, you know, knock on wood again, they stay healthy. That's going to be a very dangerous squad. And they've got, we keep saying it, but they've got a good player coming back too, probably soon, right? Yeah. So, Jaden Eddington, I believe yeah. this week. Yep. So, I yeah. mean, yeah, this... they, we've said it. We've said it every week this season. They've got everything in front of them. Take care of business. I mean, they, they've, they seem to be doing all the right things so far. So just take care of business. At this point, man, I, if I'm Corona, I'm thinking it's it's 9-0 regular season or bust, really. I mean, I know they have the crossover game coming up in week eight, which if we if we win the conference, you know, that could be a tough game. But, man, I, it's all there. I mean, 9-0, yeah. like I said, Matt, man, sounds like your record, you know, is a little bit under jeopardy, whatever the only <laughs> 9-0 team or whatever it is you guys cling to. Kind of um, 10 and 0. Yeah. So I know if you're, if you're Corona, man, you're trying to go nine and zero, and you're trying to have those first, you know, two to three weeks of playoffs, you know, home games uh, on that brand yeah. new turf field. I mean, wouldn't that be perfect? Uh, yeah. Break some attendance records uh, if they can get there. So no, let's, let's see it. Uh, get to nine and zero, man. Uh, well, like you said, the Bauer uh, quarterback, definitely a stud. So just keep, keep rolling. Bauer power. I think I read in the Argus. That's a pretty good <laughs> moniker. Um, you know, their test is going to come this week. I mean, four straight home games. Now they go on the road to take on Goodrich who uh, had no problem with Owasso 56 to nothing. And again, the big story that can, they continue to roll is the railroaders 52 to nothing over Byron Byron, obviously down this year. I mean, I, they have new Lothrop coming up this week. That's not going to be pretty, but uh, they're hanging in there. And again, you're loving this Duran, Duran storyline. You're, you're like their number one uh, fan, man. Well, you know, don't you get too carried. Don't get too carried away with it. Pods? Get them on the freaking uh, tele uh, broadcast schedule so I can hear what they're all about. We will, we'll see what we can line up. All right. I got the it's challenge. Still, it's still funny. And I know I, it's 20 years ago that I was playing or, you know, I was in high school, but, Durand was not good for for a long time well, when I was coming through high school. And like, you know, even even like Ovid Elsie wasn't good. And you know, I know they've turned things around. So like whenever I hear Durand is, you know, maybe one of the best teams in their division, Ovid Elsie has had a ton of success. You know, you, you think back to when you played and it's right. like, really? Durand? Okay, <laughs> I guess. But no, it's cool to see. It, it, it's really cool to see schools turn it around. Absolutely. Well, um, we'll have a little entertainment tonight coming up next with Curran Jacobs. He has a new wrestling documentary we're going to talk about. Uh, but first, take a listen to this. AZ Printing Solutions, formerly Hankard Sportswear, is a full-service print shop that specializes in screen printing, digital printing, and embroidery. They pride themselves on giving a great product at a great value. The area's go-to printing solution offers a 100% guarantee to exceed your expectations. AZ Printing Solutions has your favorite local spirit wear as well as many other apparel items in stock. Specialty items are available for family, sports, business, and charity events. Call 989-725-2979 or step into the store in downtown Owasso. Hi, this is Casey from the band Chi-Town, hopping on our favorite podcast to let you know about the biggest party in mid-Michigan. Saturday, October 1st at Harvey Kern Pavilion in Frankenmuth, Chi-Town is back to headline Big Country Fest. Whiskey Fix will get things started at 5 p.m., and then we take the stage at 8. Tickets are just $7, so come on out for a night of music, drinks, food, and all things country. See you all there. 
Well, we have a very special edition of Tedertainment tonight this evening. We have a special guest, Curran Jacobs, director of the documentary For the Love of the Catch. To paint the picture for you just a little bit, he graduated from Owasso High School in 2007, went on to be a standout wrestler at Michigan State University, in fact, was the team captain his junior and senior seasons. After he graduated, he decided to venture out to La La Land and try his hand at acting. <laughs> actually, uh, actually made a few appearances on shows like Modern Family and Glee. So it's the real deal here. And uh, we're going to start off talking about his new documentary, though, for the love of the catch. Um, you know, it's about wrestling. And, you know, to kind of set the stage for our listeners, it really starts at the beginning of wrestling as a true competition. Right. And then it just kind of evolved from there. Kind of tell us a little bit about the backstory. Absolutely. So in England in the 1870s, uh, that's where it began. It was called Catch As Catch Can. Uh, it's basically catch any move you can. If you catch an arm, break it. You catch a leg, you break it. You catch a <laughs> neck, you snap it. Um, and and uh, and it came over, you know, at the turn of the century to the United States, and really took off. Basically, it's it is professional wrestling. Before WWE, it was a real legitimate sport, and you won by pinning your opponent to their back for three seconds or making them tap out with a submission. And these submissions are lethal, man, like neck cracking, bone crunching. It's, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty severe. And a lot of the moves that you see in WWE are actually catch wrestling moves, um, but it's for entertainment purposes, but it was the biggest sport in the world right next to boxing, you know, before football, before basketball, before baseball, uh, wrestling and boxing were the two uh, uh, biggest sports in the world. Hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see that backstory because unless you are into pro fighting, wrestling, all that kind of stuff, most of us probably just see pro wrestling and think of Hulk Hogan and, and <laughs> you know, Macho Man Randy Savage and, you know, stuff yep. like that. And, and, you know, all the modern stuff. So to yeah. actually see the backstory and see how it evolved actually would be really interesting. I wanted to ask you about, so you're a pro fighter. Are you, are you still uh, fighting currently or what, what's kind of your, where are you at in your pro fighting career? So COVID threw me off completely. Uh, I was one week away from my second professional fight and it got oh, shut wow. down. It got shut down. And then I was supposed to fight in Sweden that got shut down. Third fight was was starting to cook up that got shut down so that is when we started shooting this documentary like right in the midst of the pandemic didn't think we didn't know what was going to happen didn't know if we were going to get it done thankfully we got it done but no as of right now you know i've kind of taken a back seat competitively and i'm focusing on film uh, other opportunities are starting to spring up because of this documentary um, so that's where I'm at with uh, my competitive uh, ventures. <laughs> is it is it like the, the UFC circuit or like a lower level circuit or what, what kind of were you getting into? So uh, LFA was okay. where I was starting to, to live. Um, and then the last fight, was, we were looking at Bellator. Oh, okay. Um, so that is where that's left off. You know, I'm kind of teeter-tottering. It's, it's rough. You know, I love to compete. But, uh, you know, making films and, and, and right. that sort is a lot less painful. 
Uh, you, don't, you don't want to mess. You don't want to mess that face up, right? Yeah, you know, I uh, I need nose surgery. My one of my teammates in the UFC right now, Chaos Williams, gave me an uppercut. Oh boy! One my, oh man! And he rearranged. He kind of rearranged. Uh, you know, cracks a little, right. little uh, now and then. But he got. He gave me a good one, man. And it. I got a photo of just like blood just all over my face. It's uh, it's brutal. Yeah. Uh, Few of my teammates are doing very well for themselves in the UFC. Uh, very proud of those guys. Uh, Joaquin Buckley is like the most uh, viral knockout. He's the dude that did the backflip spinning back uh, kick that knocked his opponent out unconscious. Yeah. Uh, but those guys are badasses, man. Shout out to yeah. Mercy Lago MMA. Yeah, I wanted before. I know these guys are going to jump in, but my question kind of piggybacking off of those, what kind of parallels i guess do you see between the wrestling that you talked about that came over to the u.s and modern day ufc are the are they similar or are they like actually very different i love that you asked this question because we addressed this in the documentary yeah um you you've all heard of uh gracie jiu-jitsu brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah yeah well back in the 1920s uh, a japanese catch wrestler worked with his grandpa and helped modify what we know now as Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. It started with a catch wrestler uh, named Maeda. He was from Japan, badass guy, went undefeated, traveled in a lot of uh, all over the world competing uh, and making a lot of money for himself, you know, taking on all comers. Um, you know, back in the day with carnivals and such, you know, the strongman traditionally was a catch wrestler that would right. challenge the uh, public, you know, hey, you know, I'll give you uh, $15 if you can pin or submit me and people would come up and pay a little fee and, you know, get their butts kicked. Right. <laughs> so, but to answer your question, man, yeah, uh, we addressed that in the documentary, how it all started in the 1920s and, and uh, you know, the Gracies went on to uh, 1993 for UFC 1, uh, which started yeah. it all. You know, Hoist Gracie's big victory, showing, you know, ground fighting, uh, being a huge element in combat. Whereas before that, it was all, you know, ay, 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 you know, yeah, right. stand up karate and, right. you know, Steven Seagal, Aikido stuff. Yep. You know, they didn't focus on the ground. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, catch wrestling really changed their their whole perspective. And, and uh, Helio Gracie, Hoist's father, changed the game with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So that's that's kind of where it started and where we are now. So what, why did you feel the need to kind of tell this story of catch wrestling? It, it, am I right that it was – you kind of had some of that a part of your wrestling style way back in the day, or am I – or was there something else that kind of drew you to this whole story and wanted you to make this whole story? Yeah, my close friend and mentor, uh, Randy the Natural Couture, you know, UFC legend. He introduced catch wrestling to me back in 2014. Um, I had no idea what it was. And right. when I started finding more uh, about the history, uh, Randy introduced me to a guy named Mike Chapman. You know, he's the world's leading wrestling author and historian in, uh, in the sport. And he also created the Dan Hodge Trophy, which is like the, um, the Heisman Trophy for wrestlers. And he really started to dive into the history. And I was like, 
holy shit. How, how did I not know this? You know, I wrestled D1 for five years. Most of my D1 right. buddies had no idea who Frank Gotch was, who Martin Farmer Burns was. I had no idea that in 1911, uh, when Comiskey Park was just a year old, that it had 30,000 fans watching two guys wrestle for two <laughs> wow. hours. Like, legit. <laughs> holy smokes. Like, I'm like, are you kidding me? In 1920, Two veterans of World War One wrestled at a sold-out Madison Square Garden, huh. and it was the last legit world championship in, in wrestling before uh, it, it turned into, you know, pro wrestling with, like, the Hulk Hogan, Macho right. Man, Randy Savage, where promoters were right. like, look, audiences don't want to watch guys, you know, hug it out for two hours. They want an exciting show. And we want to be able to bring them back. So that's how they, you know, they started coming up with characters and storylines right. and right. flash. Yeah. Um, but I, <laughs> I kind of got into it with, uh, with Gordon Ryan, who is regarded as the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu grappler in the world. And he's pretty badass. He's, he's a phenomenal <laughs> grappler. And after I won the world championship in catch wrestling in 2018, I kind of took that momentum and started being a pro wrestler, like you suck, you know, and you take take me on, I'll right. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll whoop you, and it caught on. Um, and I started making a ton of videos, and a filmmaker and producer st started watching them. He was like, "Yo, if you're gonna make all these videos, why don't you make something worthwhile and do a film on this history? Because it's something that would fascinate me, and I know it would fascinate a bunch of other people." So DJ Perry with uh, Collective Development Incorporated, you know, got the ball rolling and here we are. Here we are. Wow. Outstanding. Yeah. Well, I know one thing. I want to change my name to Chaos Fatel. I, I love that <laughs> nickname right there. So from now on, just address me as Chaos. He's but, chaotic, uh, man. I tell you. He's a beast. Right. He's scary. Uh, I do want to, you, you mentioned DJ Perry and... Uh, uh, also a good friend of mine, uh, another Corona graduate, you know, the three of us graduated from Corona high school. Don't hold that against us, but, uh, Tony Hornus, I know, uh, Tony's in the filmmaking business. Uh, how important has he been as an influence to help you get rolling since you're still a relatively young guy? Crucial. Uh, this, this documentary wouldn't have been able to have, uh, been made without him, you know, because we shot this through his nonprofit, uh, the red, white, and blue project that honors our veterans and their stories. And uh, without without that, uh, it wouldn't have happened. You know, without Tony Hornus, without DJ Perry, this film wouldn't have been made. Um, and our veterans are tied in with the history of wrestling uh, in a way that I don't think a lot of people, you know, they don't know. Mm -hmm. So to be able to honor our veterans in this film and tell the rich history of, of wrestling and how it ties in with our society uh, was an honor. And I couldn't be more excited about people getting to see, getting to see it. What's the hardest part uh, about making a documentary like this? Uh, is it kind of scheduling these interviews? Is it, you know, the editing process? Is it figuring out the story? What, what exactly was the toughest part in your eyes? Yeah, man. Hey, this is my first go at like a feature film, um, directing a feature film. And it was in the middle of a pandemic. So we got we got a man in a van. Daniel Chipman was a cameraman that we literally sent him like a lone wolf in the night, cross country, collecting all these interviews. We had a lot of failed opportunities with people, you know, uh, not not showing up. 
or, or you oh, know, yeah. uh, canceling last minute. We send him to a, a <laughs> state, Arizona. Oh, no, he can't do it. I'm sitting here. Oh, great. Well, on to California you go. <laughs> right. Um, but the editing process was insane. It yeah. took many, many, many hours and and lots of headaches. Um, yeah. But in the end, it was worth it, man. It, it came together. There were a lot of surprises um, in the editing room that came together that were pretty magical um, yeah. that we're thankful for. But, yeah, man, to answer your question, it's just the uh, – the unpredictable, the unpredictability of, you know, right. things working and having right. to adjust on the fly and stay positive and and uh, see it through to the end. Yeah, yeah. People don't. So I, I professionally, I, I edit for ESPN. I know Jared's done a, a bunch of editing too um, in his day job. He, people don't realize. I mean, TV is different. Sometimes I'm editing stuff that's going to be a 45 second minute and a half feature. Right. And we've got hours and hours of footage <laughs> that we have to cut down. You're talking, I mean, what, a, you know, a 90 minute documentary that you've been, you were shooting for months and months. So, right. Like you have so much good content. You can't put it all in there though. So you gotta, you know, you gotta leave a lot of good stuff out. It's a, it's a that's process true. that if, if you've never done it, people, you know, uh, maybe don't appreciate what goes into it. Yeah, man, you're right. We had a lot of golden material that didn't make it in because yeah. it just it messed with the flow. It right it didn't it it just it didn't it didn't make sense, but it was such good stuff. Um, but you're right, man. Yeah, a lot of people have no idea the the tedious uh, uh, the amount of work that is put in the editing room, as you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. it's fun though. I mean, I love it. I mean, just hearing you talk about it makes me like. I want to, I want to edit a movie now. I want to get, <laughs> right. in, I want to get yeah. into this, but uh, yeah, man, it's a blast. It's, yeah. it's tough though. There, there, we had some moments. Yeah. So what's the goal? Are you, are you taking it? I know you're premiering at the NCG theater in Owasso. Yeah. Are you taking it to some film festivals? Are you hoping win some Academy Awards? Like, you know what, what's, what's kind of the goal with it? Well, so the goal is, you know, it's going to be on prime video. Uh, and likely Google Play, um, yep. oh, one other streaming service, uh, but they're going to be they're going to be pitching it to, you know, like Peacock and and right. like several other. So our goal is for you know a major, more major streaming services to pick it up. Um, you know, the dream obviously Netflix, but yeah. they're, they're they're known for not bringing in material that they didn't. That Adam Sandler didn't shoot. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, these guys talked about the edit, and I, I echo that. It is so important to edit a nice, tight film, even though you have just much, much quantity of film. So what is the what's the final length of your doc? And I will say this. I had a chance to watch your trailers. Man, the quality looks fantastic. You have yeah. some great, uh, great guests you have on. And, you know, it's, it, I'm really looking forward to watching it. Thanks, man. Yeah, so it's 75 minutes. And uh, our editor and one of our cameramen, Adam Towner, a uh, close friend of mine, you know, he, he really has an eye for that stuff. And I think that he did a, a marvelous job on the trailers, editing them. And he edited the documentary. And uh, Dennis Tyrion helped, you know, do with the final sound and uh, just making it tip top in the end in the editing room. It, you know, it, it felt like like the Avengers assembled on this one. We got some <laughs> special people, you know, from from Tony Hornis's gang and 
and uh, DJ Perry's group with CDI to make this happen. Um, so yeah, man, or, <laughs> we're super stoked. We can't wait. Yeah. We can't wait for yeah. people to see this because there's a lot of information. Uh, I think that a lot of people are going to be like me when they watch this and be like, how in the hell did I not know this stuff? Right. <laughs> right. For sure. right. Yeah. Uh, That's I'd the best thing about Doc. Uh, I have uh, one last question for me. One of the people you did have the opportunity to talk to was uh, legendary, uh, wrestling figure you know dan gable what was it like uh just being able to talk to him i mean that, that's been pretty surreal brother uh seventh grade <laughs> i got a vhs tape of dan gable it, it was a documentary on the iowa hawkeyes and that got me yep. so yoked up just just so amped i, I remember doing push-ups and sit-ups while watching it because i'm like this dude is just <laughs> my hero when I walked right. in that man's house, you know, I got to tell you, I was, I was nervous. I was like, I'm standing in front of a wrestling legend. Right. Uh, that dude is intense. I think he's like late 60s, early 70s. I thought that dude was going to blast double leg me. Yeah. That one he just, he was just, he just could not stand still. He was, you know, like kind of in a stance and like, oh, yeah. He's getting so pumped talking about the yeah. sport history. Um, it's contagious and we captured it. You know, we were like, That's you awesome. know what? We're just going to walk in his house with a camera and just roll. We're not going to yeah. do anything fancy, like set him up, get the lighting just right. No, we're going to roll it and make it raw. Yeah. And I'm so yeah. glad I did that because his personality really shines through. He gives us a tour of his house. Um, and as far as my knowledge, you know, no one's ever like had a tour in <laughs> Dan Gable's house and got to right. see right. training. He's got a room in his basement that he shows us that's literally like, the tiniest padded room. It looks like some place you'd put like an insane asylum person where, where, where he wrestled. Right. And he tells the story about how he's got Olympic champs heads like busting into the walls and making big giant holes and stuff. Nice. So yeah, man, that was a surreal experience getting to spend that day with him and shoot his interview and, and get to know him a little bit. Uh, that guy is a beast. He's yeah. just a yeah. and a great guy. Yeah. What do you think the, the the natural, just hearing you talk about it and and the little bit that I follow, I'm a very casual like UFC fan. Um, I, I used to follow pro wrestling, WWE, but, you know, like as a kid, I, it started to tail off after a little while. Yeah. What do you, what do you think? Why is there like a natural uh, progression, I guess, for college wrestlers to go fight in the UFC? Just because you've got that background, you've got that combat mindset, or you know, Joe Rogan said there's such an amazing clip that I see my wrestling buddies post all the time about Joe Rogan talking about how wrestling is the number one ingredient in MMA for success because you can take the fight wherever you want it. You know, it's um, level changes. It uh, right favor wrestlers because. Boxers will drop their hands, anticipating the wrestler shooting in. And then overhand rights become effective for wrestlers. Um, so that is a huge advantage. They can take the fight where they want it, like Khabib Nurmagomedov. Right. You ever watch yep. that guy fight? That dude controls the octagon wherever the heck he wants it to the fight to go. And secondly, it's the mindset. You know, we, we're, we grind. Wrestlers are such grinders. Um, you know, the weight cuts – the, the 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 grinding for hours in the in the room um and you know put all that training in 15 to 25 minutes you got a, a savage that can go yeah. and go and go right. 
So, man, I remember just uh, the way I, I played basketball my whole life, but a bunch of my good friends, I mean, Corona, I mean, you know, Corona um, had a good wrestling program. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so a bunch of my friends wrestled. So, I mean, I, I, I love talking to them about wrestling because they sound like you. I mean, they get me fired up and make me wish I would have wrestled or something. But oh, no, you don't. No, I, yeah, actually, I, was, I was fine playing basketball. I was fine playing yeah. basketball. <laughs> the weight cutting, man, I remember there would be days I'd be smashing like mozzarella sticks and chicken fingers and pizza at lunch. And they're eating like like a handful of popcorn and a little yeah. bit of jello. Spitting in but a then cup. they're going, but then they're going into the locker room with garbage bags on and jumping rope in the showers. And I was just like, <laughs> no man, I'm good, man. I'm going to go yeah. chug some water and go practice some basketball. Like, right. Man, you wrestlers, you, you got a, you got a different mindset, man. Yeah. We're, it's, it's crazy, man. I've questioned myself a few times during college. Like what the hell, why didn't I play golf or like <laughs> something that's like, why can't I just like, yeah something that's not so horrible on the body and the mind and yeah it's the discipline you know right. that transfers over to mma you know because you, you go to parties you go to family gatherings you know you got old grandma or aunt betty or you know uncle bob being like hey eat this pizza or oh we got some pecan pie you know oh have a beer no i can't i gotta can't do it <laughs> what do you want from me you're killing me all right well, Curran, I, I some da- somewhere down the road, love to get you back on, talk about yeah. your wrestling career, but we're here promoting your uh, new documentary, For the Love of the Catch. Before we let you go, tell our listeners uh, the best way to check it out, maybe come to the premiere at NCG. Give yes. us, the, give us the, the final story here on uh, how to catch this great flick. Absolutely. So Saturday, October 1st, the first showing is at the NCG Theater in Owasso, 6 p.m., uh, following that show, uh, likely we're going to be venturing on over to Roma's for a little afterglow, some drinks, talking, nice. food. Uh, and then the second showing is at 8.15 p.m. Um, there are two shows. The ticket link should be up uh, this week. And you'll find the event page on my uh, Facebook page, Curran the Giant Slayer Jacobs. Check it out. And uh yeah, man, would love to see you all there. You know, even if you're not an MMA fan, a wrestling fan, it's a fun documentary. It's family friendly, and uh, the, the the history told is is incredible, and will be enjoyed by uh, any anyone, fan or not. Yeah. Well, another local kid done good. Keep it up, Curran. I mean, we're looking forward to checking out the documentary. We're looking forward to seeing some of your future stuff down the road, and uh, appreciate you taking time out to join us here at Three Point Podcast. You guys, I appreciate you so much. Thanks for having me on. You guys are awesome. All right, guys. Uh, great stuff with Current Jacob. Looking forward to that documentary. A couple real quick things, guys. I, I've just decided my favorite TV show is College Football Final on ESPN. I love, great I show, love catching up on all those games, man. And they do a tremendous job, don't they? Sunday man. morning. That's what I watch every Sunday morning, man. Flip back and forth between that and NFL Countdown. I mean, it's awesome. It, it, it's just it's just highlights. That's the best yeah. part about it. There's no pump and frizzle. There's no, you know, <laughs> they don't do crazy graphics. It's just let's just give you right. as many highlights as we can. Every game, you know, they give you everything you need to see. It's it's perfect. You, you're you're right on that. Yeah, absolutely. And then one other thing, another ESPN product, an E60 I just caught up to. Uh, I might be a little late in the game, but the great imposter in me. Have either one of you guys heard about this? It was an E60. It's about this guy. His name is Barry Bremen. Back in uh, 1979, 
the uh, Pistons hosted the All-Star game, the NBA All-Star game, and he had uh, a Kings warm-up suit, and he made his way to halftime layup line. He won a couple hundred bucks from his buddies. It got in the layup line, actually did it. That was the early part of the story. The more more incredible thing was he had three kids. Um, he was uh, He was a donor, a sperm donor, and come to find out with this 23 and me, he has like 23 kids that are 30 kids that all of a sudden found each other. And it's just an unbelievable story. Jeremy Schapp uh, was involved with it along with Dick Schapp. If you get a chance, if you haven't seen it or haven't heard of this documentary, it blew my mind because I knew all about Barry Bremen. And I just thought, oh, it'd be kind of cool to see how he did all this imposter stuff. Halfway through this documentary, all of a sudden they hit you with uh, the children. It's all over the place, and they interviewed them, and it was really cool. Wow. A real good it, doc. Yeah. That's like a real life. Uh, what was it? Delivery man, Vince Vaughn. Yeah. He did the same sort yeah. of thing. Uh, that's like the real life, you know, inspiration for that. Probably. Uh, that's when you know you got some good genes, man. When uh, they pick you thirty times, that's when you know you got right. the height. You know, you got the looks. You got the right weight. Everything. So, uh, no, nope. that's 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 quite a story. No, or he doubt just donated it. a lot of sperm, and they had to use it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing was uh, that the, uh, the 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 sperm banks, if you want to call it that, they were only supposed to take like twenty samples and dish it out because you know they're worried about, especially in the same area, they're worried about brothers marrying right. sisters oh, right. and carrying on the gene pool there. But they went wild, and who knows how many more there are out there? It's a crazy story. That is but, crazy. Anyway, that's Tedertainment tonight. And just again, I think we've had a fun podcast. This has been the Three Point Podcast presented by SkyMint Cannabis, Michigan's leader in the industry with many convenient locations throughout Michigan. Use that coupon code 3.20 at the Corona store for 20% off your first purchase. Also, Memorial Healthcare. Check out the walk-in sports injury clinic every Monday through October 17th at the new Now Community Wellness Center. And make sure you follow us at Three Point Pod. Spread the word. Make sure you let all our great partners know you listen in and enjoy the program. They include AZ Printing Solutions, Capital Sports Fieldhouse and Hit and Pitch, Pro Real Estate and Auction, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, the ALS Association of Michigan, Chi Town, the Band, and Z92.5 The Castle. Special thanks to New Lothrop Coach. Clint Galvis and Curran Jacobs, the director of For the Love of the Catch, premiering at NCG October 1st and on Amazon Prime October 4th. And again, until next week, everybody, so long, peace and love, be kind, and thanks for listening. Hey, gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan chapter, serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Three Point Podcast is a Sportsnet Michigan Three Point Podcast production. Subscribe and share on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of your favorite podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at Three Point Pod or by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.